Well, tonight we're starting our, our fall series on, on Wednesday nights, which if you've been able to be here on a Sunday or even uh, last week when we were eating pancakes in here about this time, uh, you might have heard that we're going to be thinking about the attributes of Scripture, which may not sound just like super exciting um, at first hearing, but I really believe that it's one of the most important things that we can give our time to this fall uh, to be thinking about. What do we believe about the Bible? What do we believe about it? And why do we believe what we believe? And why does it even matter? Like, why is that even important? Like, the so what? Um, those are questions I want us to address this fall in this series. And so starting tonight, I know I did a, just a wee little bit last week, but I want to do it more fully this week, is just to give a little introduction to this series um, and we're going to, I'll go ahead and tell you out, out the front, if you got your Bible or if you got it on, on an app on your phone, we're going to be hopping around for a, few, for a few scriptures tonight. We normally just camp out in one, but hey, we're, we're going to be hopping around tonight. We, that might be part and parcel of this whole semester, but so just get ready for that. If you want to go ahead and turn somewhere to start, turn to 2 Timothy 3. Um, while you're finding that place, just to give you a, a preview of the kinds of things that we're going to think about, you'll see it in that, that cool little graphic. Um, the kinds of attributes of Scripture that we're talking about. We're talking about those things that for any of you who have been here for any length of time, you've heard me pray a thousand times, namely our belief that Scripture is holy, inspired, inerrant, sufficient, clear, authoritative, and necessary. Uh, yeah, and we'll talk about each one of those this, this semester and, and what they mean. Um, why we believe it, but we'll also talk about a couple of other things that aren't on that graphic. <clears throat> so, for example, next week, we're going to be talking about just generally the, the, about the reality, the concept, the reality that God has revealed Himself to us. We're going to talk about that, like that very idea of God's revelation of Himself. So, if, if you, if you uh, when you see the next week talks on revelation, we're not talking about the last book of the Bible, which, by the way, I'll also say, we, um, I've mentioned it Sunday, but we, we have a podcast of all of the teaching that goes on here. And a, a couple of years ago, not, not last year, but maybe the year before, on Sunday mornings, we, we, we taught through the book of Revelation. So if you're ever interested in reading through Revelation or understanding that book, you can scroll back on our podcast and find that there. But to, next week, we're going to talk about the reality that God has revealed himself to us, which is fundamental to our understanding of the Bible we have. And we'll also spend a week here pretty soon talking about Jesus' own view of the Bible. What did Jesus believe? Did, when we read the Gospels and we see Jesus talking about the Bible, what can we learn about Jesus' own view of the Bible? It seems like a pretty relevant question to ask. And then at the end of the semester, another one that's not on this list, we're going to talk about the transmission, the transmission of the Bible. Uh, which has to do with how did you come to have the Bible that you're holding right now? Like how did it get from what the Apostle Paul wrote down in a prison cell in Ephesus to the, to the English Bible that you're holding in your hand? How did, how, did it, how did it get from point A to point B down through the centuries? And, and, and then how can we know that we, we can trust what we're holding today? In other words, how, did, how was the Bible transmitted throughout the centuries. We're going to talk about that. 
I hope this will be a helpful series to you in your Christian faith. These things are so important to know. And you know, in the spring, it's something else I've already said in, in the earlier meetings. Um, in the spring, we're going to talk about, in, the, in this same Wednesday night Bible study, we're going to talk about things in the spring that you might feel are more immediately relevant to you. Like, because we're going to talk about things like worry and anxiety. We're going to talk about fear. We're going to talk about anger and bitterness, resentment. We're going to talk about jealousy, self-image. We're going to talk about sexual temptation. We're going to talk about prejudice. We're going to talk about even little things like procrastination. We're going to talk about things that, that... Things like that, that for a lot of us are probably, some of those things are, you might, there's probably at least one thing on that list that you might think, that's, it feels like it's almost constantly on my mind, or I'm kind of constantly battling that. And so those kinds of things might feel like that is more immediately relevant to me than, say, the infallibility of Scripture. That might seem more laboratory-ish or classroom-ish or what Jesus believed about the Bible. But I would argue that what we're going to talk about this fall, that stuff, is, is actually in some ways even more immediately relevant to your life than all of those other things. Why would I say that? Because even though it may not initially feel like the inerrancy of Scripture is more relevant to me than how to fight anxiety, it may not feel that way, but it's precise. It, it is, though, anyway, because it's precisely because we want to think about all those other things. We want to think them about them from a Christian point of view. I want to. I want to know how to fight anxiety as a Christian. I want to know how to deal with sexual temptation as a Christian, with time, with with how I relate to time and procrastination as a Christian which means we have to seek God's wisdom and perspective on them, which we find in Scripture, which then, of course, we want to know is true and trustworthy. And it's going to be clear when I open it up to read it, and I can understand it, and it's going to be sufficient for what I need to know to fight all of those different battles. So all that to say, I hope you'll see um, the relevance of this series and that it's not only good for equipping for your Christian, uh, understanding your Christian faith but also, and what you believe, but also important for how you live out your Christian faith and fight the battles you have to fight. So tonight, like I said, I'm just introducing this series, which means I'm going to say a little bit, just a little bit, and then hopefully not say everything in one, in one time so I don't have anything else left to say for the rest of the semester. Um, so I thought about how to introduce the, the importance of this series and as I was thinking about how do I, without, without saying all of that yet, what do I say about how to convey the importance of Scripture? And as soon as I did that, several, just almost like that, just several Scripture passages started coming to mind. And, um, and most of them, perhaps a, a lot of you, will, they'll be well-known verses to you, but they're well-known verses for a reason. And, and, and it's from those verses that I, I just want to talk about three reasons why uh, Scripture is indispensably important for your Christian life. And not just having a Bible, reading the Bible, 
reading it. I mean, like, like chewing it up, getting in it. That is indispensably important for your Christian life. I hope I don't say anything new. I hope you walk, I hope you walk out of here going, he didn't say anything I didn't already know. I, but I do hope you walk away feeling like you needed to hear that again, right? So if you're taking notes, here are the three things I want us to consider the importance of Scripture for. Number one, it's going to be for salvation. It's not going to be on the screen. Just listen. I'm too lazy to make slides. Scripture is important for salvation. That's number one. Uh, that's, why, that's why I have you opened up to 2 Timothy 3. That may be obvious, but I hope at some point this may mean something more than you initially think. It's for salvation. Second, Scripture is important for, and is a big word, sanctification. If you don't know how to spell that, look on your neighbor's paper. Sanctification. It just, it just means um, your growth and your progress in godliness. Your, your advancement and progress in being like Christ. Growing in holiness. Growing in righteousness. And for that point, we'll turn to a number of Scriptures. John 17, 17. Hebrews 4, 12. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we'll get to that. But then the third, the third reason Scripture is vitally important is what I'm going to call for sight, S-I-G-H-T, for sight. And I get that from the metaphor given to us in Psalm 119.105. And we'll just talk briefly about each of those, and I hope you'll see the importance of what we're going to talk about this fall. I hope you'll be encouraged by these familiar Scriptures tonight. And then we'll close in, in song and commission. Before we dive in, let's pray. <clears throat> oh, Lord, um, the Scripture that we've already read earlier in the liturgy tonight, the Scripture that informed the songs we sang tonight, the Scriptures we're about to look at and talk about, the Scripture that will inform the next song, the Scripture that will inform the benediction, we confess our faith that every word of it is your holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible, sufficient, clear, authoritative, and necessary word. And I, and I ask that tonight, would you please give us eyes to see the truth? Give us minds to understand what you would have us to understand. Would you give us uh, hearts to embrace the importance of your word? And Lord, would you give us wills to obey, wills to put into practice uh, whatever it is that you're admonishing us to do in this topic? Or would you give me the help that I need as a sinner to teach your word? And would you give us all ears to hear what the Spirit is saying in the word? I ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, think with me first about how important Scripture is for salvation. So if you're, if you're still open to 2 Timothy 3, Look with me beginning in verse 14. And we'll be coming back to this particular passage a number of times over the course of this semester. It's an important one, so be familiar with it. And he says in verse 14, But as for you, and this is, this is the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. And let's just stop right there. From childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. Let's make sure we, we are clear on what he means by 
sacred writings. You always want to look at things in context, and you'll see that in the very next verse, verse 15, uh, he, he, uh, in verse, excuse me, in verse 16, he talks about all Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by, by God. And so, in the context, when Paul mentions, um, in verse 15, the sacred writings, that's just a different way of talking about all Scripture, as he says it in verse 16. Now, one more thing while we're here. When Paul says all Scripture in verse 16, some people would say, well, he's just referring to the Old Testament right there because when he wrote all Scripture, that's all the Scripture there was at that point is just the Old Testament. And that may be technically true, but the New Testament was being written. It was being written. He's writing it when he's writing that right there, right? And even within the New Testament itself, even, you don't have to turn there, you might jot down this reference, even in the New Testament itself, New Testament writings were referred to as Scripture. Let me say that again. Even within the New Testament, New Testament writings were referred to as Scripture. The example I'm going to give you is 2 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16. Um, and this is where Peter is talking about the writings of Paul. And he says, Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. And this is Peter talking about reading Paul, and he says, There are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, comma, listen to this last phrase, as they do the other scriptures. The other scriptures would be the Old Testament, implying that he considered Paul's writings already to be scripture. So back to 2 Timothy 3. Paul told Timothy uh, in, in, uh, in verse 14 and 15, that how from childhood he had been acquainted with the Scriptures and the sacred writings, and he adds this at the end of verse 15, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Now, on the one hand, the reason for him saying that is pretty obvious, it's pretty plain, but it's both worth thinking about and saying out loud. Without the Scriptures we would be completely ignorant of Jesus Christ and, and what He has done for salvation of sinners. Why? I can think of two reasons. One being, as we'll say more about next week, when we talk about God's revelation of Himself to us, God has revealed Himself to us in one way, in creation. The sun, the moon, the stars, all of creation around us scream, there's a Creator right? And we can know what, from just creation around us, I can know that God exists. I can know something about His holy character because I'm part of His creation and He's given me a conscience. Where did that come from? How do, how do all peoples across all cultures and differences basically think the same things are right and the same things are wrong? All right? We have a conscience that I, when I do right, it commends me. When I do wrong, it, it convicts me. I can know something about His holy character. I can know that He's there just by creation alone. Um, but even though I can know those things, I can know nothing of salvation that way. All I know is I'm pretty rotten because I go against my conscience all the time. 
That's all creation's going to show me. He's there, he's holy, and I'm not. That's what creation's going to show me. Nothing about salvation is there. The gospel simply does not appear ever in a cloud formation in the sky. We have to know what Scripture says to be saved. But a second reason might be because somebody might say, theoretically, we could know about Jesus still today even if we never had a Bible and that the message had been passed down orally from then to us. But the chances of that message making it 2,000 years across cultures uncorrupted is infinitesimally small, right? In other words, God ensured through the writing down of Scripture, like He wrote it, we, we wrote it down, through the writing of this Scripture, made it sure that the, the gospel of salvation of sinners through Christ could make it to the ears of sinners and that it could get to us complete and uncorrupted. Certainly that's a relevant point from the standpoint of those who haven't yet followed Christ and are forgiven of their sins through Him. We have to know the message of the Scriptures and what the Scriptures say about Christ and His work so that we can share that message with people who need to hear it. Okay? But what if, what if most of us in this room... Is, am I just, when I say that the gospel is, I mean, the scriptures are important for salvation, does that just mean that the scriptures are important for those other people for salvation? Those other people who've never repented and believed, for them it's relevant for salvation? But for me, I've been saved for a long time. Is it still relevant for me for salvation? Yeah, because it's still relevant for me beyond just giving thanks for what he's done for me. But, but, it, it says right here why it's still. It, look, look, at, look again carefully at verse 14. He says, but as for you. Now, who, again, who is you? You is Timothy. All right? And who was Timothy? Timothy, at the time that Paul was writing this letter, was a pastor. He was the pastor of the church in Ephesus. Right? So what is Paul telling this pastor to do? He's telling a pastor to do this. He tells him, Continue in what you have learned and what you have firmly believed. He's a pastor. He's not past this. Right? In other words, saving faith is a living faith. It's not something that has happened to me way back then. It's something going on in me right now. And how do we, how do we feed? How do I feed that saving faith in Christ in me so that it perseveres to the end? How do I do that? By reminding myself of the gospel every day. By being present in the, in the church on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday morning, to hear the scriptures read and hear the scriptures preached and taught because the Holy Spirit works in your soul through the word, through the hearing of the word. So to starve yourself of the scriptures is to starve yourself of strength and imperil your perseverance to the end. Again, Paul was writing this to a pastor. And if Pastor Timothy needed to hear this, I know I do. And you do. So knowing well what we're going to talk about this semester is important 
for the health and vibrancy of your, of your very salvation and your persevering in Christ. So scripture, so I'll say that at the outset. Scripture is, is important for salvation. It's just not, it's not just important for salvation, but the second thing is it's, it's uh, similar to that, but it's important for sanctification. Persevering faith is an aspect of what we call sanctification. And again, sanctification predominantly is referring to our, our growth in godliness, our progress in Christ-likeness. Dying to our old self, becoming a new self in Christ. And on this point, there's a few scriptures that I want us to know that make this very clear. The first one is John 17, 17. So take a left and go to John 17, 17. John 17 is a, is a long prayer that Jesus prayed on the night that he was betrayed, the night before he would go to the cross the next day. And in this, in this long prayer, he would pray for, the, for all those who would follow him, not just his immediate disciples, but for all who would follow him in the future. And one of the most important things that Jesus prayed for his followers is found in verse 17, John 17, 17. And look there in that short verse, Jesus prayed, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them, which literally means make them holy. Make them holy. But how does Jesus himself say that happens in that prayer? In the truth. Where is the truth found? In the Word, in the Scriptures. How does that work? Well, I've, the way I've already mentioned is that in the, in the Scriptures, we're constantly reminded of the Gospel. And the more remind, we're reminded of the Gospel, the more firmly we come to believe it. And that in the in, in, in that we, we persevere to the end through that, and we become more like Christ in the process. But we also know that it's through the scriptures that we come to understand and know the character of God more clearly. And it's through beholding the character of God, beholding God in the scriptures, that that transformation happens. Like it's as I look at God. As I look at Christ in the Scriptures, I become more like Him. And, and how do I know that? Well, okay, I just asked you to turn to John. I'm asking you to turn again. If you want to, turn quickly, take another right, and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And while you're finding 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the context in this chapter, is, is about people when they read the Scriptures, when they're reading the Old Testament, whenever they read the Law of Moses and things like that. So this, this is Paul talking about when people read the Bible, and he says in verse 18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Now let's just stop right there. In the context... How do, how do we behold the glory of the Lord? In the Bible. We see His glory in the Bible. What happens to people who do that? He says, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That verse explicitly says that when you behold the Lord with the eyes of faith in the Scriptures, desiring to be conformed to His image, 
you are transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. And that's going to happen because it says it comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's, a, that's just how God rigged it. That's how God rigged it. That's how he set it up. There's another verse that actually digs a little deeper into the window of how that happens. Again, if you're not tired of flipping, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. We're still taking a right. If you don't flip, at least write down the reference. It's good to look at it with your eyes. Some of us may have heard this verse before, Hebrews 4.12. And there we read, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Clearly talking about Scripture again, but what specifically does it say Scripture does for us? It discerns the thoughts and the intentions of my heart. And that's a good thing. Because if, if, if you wouldn't want me to be your college pastor if you could see all the thoughts and intentions of my heart. I'm just saying, I'm a sinner just like you. Like, nobody would, want to be, nobody would want to be around you if they could see all the thoughts and intentions of your heart. That's a good thing that the Scripture does that for me because if the thoughts and intentions of my heart, if left alone, they're sinful. And God wants me to go that way and they're going that way. I don't naturally think the right thing. I don't naturally love the right things. I don't naturally hate the right things. I don't naturally want the right things. Scripture then exposes me. Scripture exposes my, my waywardness of my, of the waywardness of my heart and mind. It, it keeps me moving toward Christ instead of away from Him. Like, which is what which is what the last verse in this section teaches us. Go all the way back to the Old Testament, Psalm 119. We're going to stay in this chapter for the rest of our time. Psalm 119, verse 11. Some of you, fittingly, might know this one by heart. Psalm 119, verse 11. Even if you know it by heart, turn and look at it. Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible. Psalms right in the middle of your Bible. Psalm 119.11, great memory verse. says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do you store up God's word in your heart? Well, one way you can do it is just read it a lot. An even more effective way of doing that is memorize some of it. Memorize some of it. Um, even longer passages of Scripture. Even books of the Bible. 
we're studying through Philippians on Sunday mornings. And I gave MCG leaders, if you don't know, if you don't know where yours is, at leader training, I gave everybody a, a, a memorization plan to memorize the whole book of Philippians. Starting next week, starting Monday. And a, and a plan of a way to do it. Um, and so if you're here and you would, you, if you're in an MCG and sign-ups are still open, pinned at the top of GroupMe, and you want to do that, go talk to your MCG leader. Put them on the spot. Say, why don't you have that? Kevin said you did. Were you not at leader training? And then you can come and I'll give it to you. Um, it's an amazing and worthwhile practice. When you come up for reasons like not to do it, it's, they sound lame. Um, I, found, I found this out. It took me a while to get to this. But I, I found that out a few years ago when I memorized the book of Ephesians. Now, don't worry. I, I, can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't say it anymore, so I'm not bragging. But what I learned, what I learned in the process of taking six months to memorize the book of Ephesians was how helpful it was on my thought life throughout the day for those six months. If I had a thought creeping in, if I had a thought creeping in my head that I did not want to dwell on, what do you do in that moment? Stop thinking about that. You're still thinking about that. What do I do when I have a thought that I say, I don't want to dwell on that? When I was memorizing Ephesians, I had a whole other neighborhood in my mind that I could just, if you're a Harry Potter fan, disapparate and reappear in Ephesian land, right? And I could just drop my thoughts. And, and in that way, it was keeping me, as Psalm 119.11 says, it kept me from sinning against God. When you read Scripture a lot, and even memorize it. You are just filling your heart and your mind up with more and more with which the Holy Spirit can conform you into the character and likeness of Jesus. And there's certainly more to say here, but we'll have all semester to talk about it. We have one more point that I want to consider before we close. Not only is Scripture important for salvation and for sanctification, but also, finally, for sight. I said earlier that I got a, that metaphor, sight, from a, I got that, that, that word from a metaphor in Psalm 119, 105. So same chapter, just find verse 105. It's another very well-known verse, but in my estimation, well-known for a reason. And in Psalm 119, 105, psalmist writes, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So hopefully you can see why I said Scripture is good for sight on a dark path. It lightens the path I need to walk. And by this I simply mean all that the wisdom, all, that the, all the wisdom that you need, and just hear me on this, all the wisdom you need to know the will of God for your life and to walk in obedience to Him is found in the Word of God.
is found in the Scriptures. You'll hear me say that a lot in terms of knowing God's will for your life. That in terms of knowing God's will for your life, the path, you might want to write this down sometime, the path of walking in God's will is wider than you think. The path of walking in God's will is wider than you think. Why do I say that? We are far too often confused in what we think we need when we want to know God's will. I have a decision coming up. It's a very specific decision. Yes or no. This or that. I want to know, God. God, tell me, yes or no, this or that. Yes. God has a very specific, meticulously specific will for your life. Uh, Jesus said, not a sparrow. Just sparrows are little. Not a sparrow falls to the ground apart from the will of the Father. That's pretty specific. And he has a very specific will for every moment of your life until the end of your life and then for your eternal life. And when we get to a point where we deeply want to know God's will for this particular decision, this or that, God, it's that, it's that specific will that I'm, I'm wanting to tap into. God, you know if it's this or that, just tell me. Give me a piece, whatever the heck that means. Y'all, stop saying that. I just had a piece. Come on, man. You just slept good that night. <laughs> I, one big problem with, with, with wanting to know that specific will is he just hasn't told us. Deuteronomy 29, 29. That's just one you can write down. The secret things, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. What he has done, he's not told you his, and he's not gonna. He can. I'm not saying he can't, but he's not. Gonna tell you his specific, specific will. What he, and the reason he's not, it's because he's told you so much already. He's just told you so much. What you have right there is his general will. Now, why would he do it this way instead of just telling me? Because you don't grow in godliness by just saying, yes, sir. That's robotic. How you grow in godliness is being faced with a decision, going to the Word, looking for wisdom that helps me weigh my options. And then you weigh them. And you wrestle with them. And then you make a decision. You just make a decision. If it's, if it's this or that, and you're like, man, I feel like 
I feel like I could honor the Lord according to His Word in this or that. So I'm just going to do that. Yeah, I mean, like, if you are if you're wrestling with God's Word and you're desiring to make a decision based on His Word and will, you will be in His will. If, that, if you make a decision, the path of walking in God's will is wider than you think. Really, the only way not to be walking in His will is to sin. Does that make sense? Just to walk in sin, that's not walking in His will. So if you got job A or job B, job A doesn't pay very much, but it's like helping poor people. And job B makes a lot of money, but you got to steal and rob. Well, clearly, take the godly one, right? Or, or even if, like, if they're just two, two godly options, just, just pick one. It's, it's really okay. What I'm trying to say, bottom line, is Scripture gives us sight to see the path I need to walk. And it's wider than you think it is. And we, we can make the decisions we need to make. We'll stop here. I could talk a long time. But I hope you'll see how important it is to know what we believe about the Bible and why we believe it so that we can have utmost confidence in what it says because knowing well what it says is inescapably important for our salvation, for our sanctification, and for our sight.